He's not coming back for the world this time. He already did that. He's coming back for the church. Amen. Question is, will you be ready? Mm, will he catch you with your work undone? Mm. Well, praise God. I see our friend, Minister Brightburn, is here. Amen. From California. Amen. Sister Brown. My last grandmother, godmother, my dad, godmother is here. Amen. Praise God to our visiting friend back there. God bless you. Amen. And good to see all of you that are here today on this Palm Sunday. Amen. So uh, as we get ready to go into the word, Lord, we just thank you and praise you right now. Speak to us today, God. Uh, help us to become who you need us to be in this hour, Lord. That we will be disciples and not just believers, Lord God. That we would be doers and not just hearers, Lord God. That we would apply your word to our everyday normal Christian lives, Lord God. I pray, God, that if you use this vessel of clay, that you speak to us and through me, Lord God. On the wings of the anointing, the yoke-destroying, burden-removing power of God. Ah, that will break and destroy the yoke. So, Father, in the name of Jesus, I yield myself. I step aside. I decrease so that you will increase. In Jesus' name, amen. And so, praise the Lord. Every, uh, last week, God, asked, God, the Holy Spirit, led me to ask a question. Why did Jesus die? Or why did he have to die? And we discovered that his death was vicarious, which means it was a substitute death. In other words, he laid, he, he, he got nailed to the cross for our sins. Amen. That's both God and man. 100% God and 100% man. He was a God man, the perfect sacrifice to be able to appease God. God loved us so much that he sent himself. To die for us so that he could take his wrath off of us. That's a good God. Amen. And so his death was a propitiation. That means Jesus removed God's punishment. Amen. That's a shocking point right there. For us because he didn't know us nothing. He could have let us die the way we were. And he would have been justified in punishing us. But he didn't do that. He sent Jesus as a propitiation. And then his death was a redemption. In other words, he brought us back. Yes. <laughs> with his very life by spilling his blood for us. And it means he released us from captivity, slavery from sin, and or death. Now, there was a little boy who was sick on Palm Sunday. So he had to stay home with his mother. His father returned from church holding a palm branch. The little boy was curious and asked, Why do you have a palm branch, Dad? Well, the dad said, well, you see, it's Palm Sunday, and Jesus came into town, and everyone waved branches to honor him, so we got palm branches today. So the little boy replied, the only Sunday that I miss is the Sunday that Jesus shows up. 
It's funny, but it's serious. It's funny, but it's really serious. It's funny, but it's serious. I don't want to go to a church where Jesus don't show up. I don't want to live in a house where Jesus ain't in. Ain't in it. I know it's not good English. Amen. I don't want to live my life without him. Amen. So here we transforming believers into disciples. We are believing that Jesus is going to show up. We believe God the Father is going to show up. Jesus the Son is going to show up. And especially God the Holy Spirit is going to show up. Amen. Amen. So that ain't what I'm talking about today. I just wanted to bring that up. So on the heels of last week's question, the Holy Spirit led me to another question, being that it's Palm Sunday and all. Why did Jesus ride a donkey? Mm-hmm. Or then I said, well, why a donkey, Lord? Why did Jesus ride a donkey? Just like last week I told you, you have to be careful that you are not calling God into question with the wrong question. Amen? Because you can ask God about things, but you, he's not obligated to even answer you. Or answer in a way that you like. Amen. And so, because God's ways are what? Not our ways. His <laughs> thoughts are not what? Our thoughts. And they are all higher than ours, right? He sees the end from the beginning. So we're going to begin where our daily scripture reading begins today. We're doing a seven-day fast. And our first readings are from Palm Sunday, which is Mark 11. So I'm going to have Holy Ghost giving you a pass today. You don't got to read it on your own the first time. But tonight, after you get through this word, you may want to read it again. Amen. All right. Now, the purpose in Mark chapter 11. The, Mark, the purpose of Mark's gospel is to present the person, work, and teachings of Jesus. He wanted to show that Jesus Christ alone is the Son of God. Now, in Mark's gospel, Jesus is the wonder worker who demonstrates Jesus' divinity by overcoming disease, demons, and death. And although he had the power to be the king of the earth, Jesus chose to obey his father and die for us. So Mark's original audience were the believers in Rome where his gospel was written. So we're going to start at chapter 11, verse 1. It says this. And when they came nigh to Jerusalem unto Bethphage. I just like saying it. Say Bethphage. Bethphage. <laughs> and Bethany at the Mount of Olives. He sendeth forth two of what? His disciples. And he said unto them, Go your way into the village over against you or over there against you. And as soon as you enter into it, you shall find a what? A coat what? Tie. Whereon never man sat, loose him and bring him. So Jesus didn't have a problem finding the coat. He knew that where the coat exactly was. Right, right. I say that to say this. He knows exactly where you are too. Amen. Just like he knew where the coat was, he knows where you are and what you are going through right now. And he told his disciples to loose that coat. Mm. Amen. <laughs> And loose him and bring him. And if any man say unto you, why do you do this? Say ye that the Lord hath need of him, and straightway he will send him hither. And like last week, I told you, Jesus ain't no punk. He said, if anybody asks you about it, you tell them that the Lord has need of it. 
and they ain't even going to question straight away. They're going to give you the code. <laughs> there won't be no questions, right? Uh, verse 4 says, and they went their way. They didn't even ask questions. They just did what he said, right? And they went, the disciples went their way and found the coat tied by the door without in a place where two ways met and they loosened. And another translation said the two disciples left and left and found standing in the street a coat tied outside. So the coat was exactly where Jesus said the disciples went and did what Jesus said they needed to do without question. They didn't do like we do, right? Yeah? <laughs> Come on. Yeah, I, ain't, I ain't preaching yet, but I'm just saying. I'm just saying. I'm just talking what I'm talking about. They, didn't, they just went and did what Jesus said, and they got the result that Jesus said they would get. Because he told them to go where he told them to go, and they got what they wanted to get because the Lord sent them. Hmm. And certain of them stood there and said unto them, What do you loosen the coat? And they said exactly what Jesus had commanded and what they do. Let them go. Yeah, that's right. Verse 7, And they brought the coat to who? Jesus. And cast their garments on him, and he sat upon him. And many spread their garments in the way, and others cut down branches off the trees and strode them in the way. And they that went before, and they that followed Christ, saying what? Hosanna. Say what? Say it again. Hosanna. Say what? Hosanna. Which is praise the Lord. <laughs> Blessed is he that cometh in the name of the Lord. Blessed be the kingdom of our father David that cometh in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. Yes. And then Jesus entered, the, entered into Jerusalem and into the temple. And when he looked around, he checked the place out. Mm -hmm. And about all things... And now the eventide was coming. It was late in the afternoon. He went out unto Bethany with the twelve. Amen. Now, the triumphal entry, the triumphal entry is that of Jesus coming into Jerusalem on what we know now as Palm Sunday or the Sunday before his crucifixion. Now, see, this is important because God had required men to go up to Jerusalem three times each year at the Feast of Passover, Pentecost, and the Feast of Tabernacles. And they would travel with their family. That's why in Luke chapter 2 you read Jesus was with Mary and Joseph during Passover. So the roads were usually full because there were a lot of people coming. Now, this is how God works. And I want you to pay close attention. I've never seen this before until I suddenly knocked now. The day that Jesus rode the donkey was the day Jewish people called Lamb Selection Day, which fell on the 10th day of Nisan, when the lambs that were going to be sacrificed in the temple for Passover were brought into the city. Exodus 12, 3 and 5 tells us that at the first Passover in Egypt, God had commanded the Jewish people to take a lamb into each home and scrutinize each lamb to ensure that it was without blemish. The lamb was inspected 
four days, and then if it met the criteria, no blemishes, it was slain on the 14th of Nisan, which is the first day of Passover. Mm. All right? Mm. So why was it called a triumphal entry? I need to say it again. Jesus rode into Jerusalem on the 10th of Nisan, on Lamb Selection Day. He rode into his family to be scrutinized by them for four days. They found him to be blameless without blemish yet on the 14th day at 9 a.m. As, as, as the Passover lambs were being brought into the temple to be slain, our perfect Passover lamb, Jesus, was nailed to a wooden cross. And at 3 o'clock, the last animal, Passover lamb, was killed by the high priest. Jesus, at three o'clock that same day, at that same time, Jesus cried out, it is finished. My God. And he gave up his spirit. I said all that to say this, God don't do things haphazardly. It was lamb selection day on Palm Sunday. Where the Lamb of God rode on a donkey to be scrutinized by the people or his family. They celebrated him on that Sunday, but as you know, a few days later, <laughs> they crucified him. Now, why was it called the triumphal entry? Because that entry was the beginning of the greatest triumph ever known in the history of man, and that was to defeat death. Because a few days later, Jesus died on the cross. But seven days later, he rose from the grave. Right, right. So he, he what? defeated what? Death. The Bible tells us in 1 Corinthians 15, 55, New King James Version, Oh, death, where is your sting? Oh, Hades, where is your victory? No one other than Jesus has been able to defeat death. That's why his entry was so triumphal. Hmm. Okay. All right. Well, maybe y'all like it this way. The cross couldn't hold him. The grave couldn't stop him. And death wasn't enough. He got up. Amen. Shout at that. Amen. The cross couldn't hold him. The grave couldn't stop him. And death just wasn't enough. He got up. Yes. Thank you, Jesus. Yes, he did. Thank you. That is why it is a triumphant entry. It is the triumphal entry is one of the few incidences that that's in all four Gospels. So therefore, it had to be important. Amen. Amen. <laughs> and then when you put all four, four counts together, it becomes clear it was a significant event. Not only for the people of Jesus' day, but for us and other believers throughout history. So never again will I look at Palm Sunday as something as a day on the calendar. Never again will I look at it with through religious through a religious lens. Right. I will look at it 
through the eyes of the cross and victory because Jesus got up because of his entry, amen, to be scrutinized by his family, to be counted as blameless, to be the perfect sacrifice so that he could die for our sins and then get up. Mm. Yes. Yes. Yeah, that's how he got up. 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 I'm just let that simmer. He got up. I don't want to rush this. Let it marinate. Yeah. I'm not going to cook it in a pressure cooker. I'm cooking it in a crock pot. We get some. Put stuff in the microwave and pressure cooker. We need to put it in a crock pot so that we can slow cook. And you know, when you put it, I mean, I'll make y'all hungry. So when you put it in the crock pot, you put meat in the crock pot, that meat gets tender. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Hallelujah. So don't look at Palm Sunday as just another Sunday on the calendar. Hmm. To religious eyesight, it's Lamb Selection Day. When the Lamb of God rode on a donkey. Even that would be itself a lamb on a donkey riding through the city? Come on now. <laughs> Only God can do that. So, why a donkey? Did donkeys have a special meaning in Jesus' day? Well, in Jesus' day, Working in the fields could be related to times of peace. Now, this concept is seen in Isaiah chapter 2, verse 4b in the New King James, which says, They shall beat their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. Nations shall not lift up a sword against nations, neither shall they learn war no more. So it was a time of peace. According to Isaiah 30, 24, the men would use beasts of burden, donkeys and oxen to work the land. And since Israel dwelt on the promised land, which God gave them according to his promise to Abraham, the fruits of the lamb, the fruits of the land were closely tied to divine favor. Now according to Deuteronomy 8 verses 6 through 9 and Deuteronomy 11 13 through 15, God told the Israelites in times of obedience they would enjoy the land's prosperity. So obedience and peace were closely linked in the New Testament. Mm -hmm. So Leviticus 26, 3 through 6, New King James says, if you walk in my statutes and keep my commandments and perform them, then I will give you rain in its season. The land shall yield its produce and the trees of the field shall yield their fruit. Your threshing shall last till the time of vintage, and the vintage shall last till the time of sowing, and you shall eat your bread to, to the full and dwell in the land safely. I will give you peace in the land, and you shall lie down, none shall make you afraid. Since the donkey was equated to field work, it's possible that the people associated with times of peace, you got to remember, they knew the Old Testament. <laughs> and so they knew the symbolism of what a donkey meant and what a lamb was. Amen. 
Now contrast with times of war when men would leave their fields and rally together and fight against their enemies who threatened to take the promised lands. In those times, a donkey had little use in battle. That's important. It's important. And you're going to see in a few minutes why it was important that Jesus came on a donkey. Amen? He came on a donkey, first of all, because it fulfilled Old Testament prophecy. Amen. He didn't come to do away with it. He came to what? Fulfill it. So if y'all turn to Zechariah, I'm going to show you exactly where it is. Zechariah, y'all might have to go to the tables of contents because it's, he's a minor prophet. And it's okay. That's what the table of contents are for. It's not a sin to look at the table of contents. Amen. It's because you don't know Genesis, but Genesis all the way to Revelation is in every book. It's okay. I do it all the time. Because sometimes those books have a tendency of jumping out. They just jump away. They jump out of my Bible and I have to go back and capture them. And how do I do it? The table of contents. Amen. So Zechariah chapter 9. Zechariah chapter 9. Z-E-C-H-A-R-I-A-H. Zechariah. Uh -huh. Zechariah. Chapter 9. Zechariah. I'm going to give y'all a minute. Because <laughs> it's an unusual book that we don't really teach all that much. Should, though, because it's Old Testament prophecy. What, what verse you say? Chapter 9, verse 9. Chapter 9, verse 9. I'll give you a second. Dig it out, dig it out, dig it out. The electronic people got an advantage. Y'all think I just plug it in and, <laughs> and go right to it. Amen. <laughs> and that's good, too. Whatever way you get it, that's how you got it. Get it. If you got to turn the page or... Or click a click click on the phone or whatever the case may be. Go ahead. That's good. Amen. I know. Zechariah chapter 9, verse 9 says, Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout, O daughter of Jerusalem. Behold, thy king cometh unto thee. He is just and having salvation, lowly and riding upon an ass or a donkey. And upon a coat of a fowl of an ass or a donkey, or riding on a donkey's coat or a young donkey. Okay. This is a prophecy in Zechariah talking about Palm Sunday and who would be riding on this donkey. It would be Jesus. Amen. He would be lowly and riding upon him. He is just and having salvation. Amen. Now take note, this is not mentioned in Mark's gospel, but it is in Matthew's gospel. The reason is the audience, the reason is the audience that they were writing to. Matthew was writing to prove that Jesus was the Messiah. So his audience was different. So he had to, in his gospel, link Jesus to, the, to Abraham. He had to do that. You got to remember, and I always tell you this, that the Bible wasn't written to us, it was written for us. And each author had a specific audience that they were trying to reach. So this is this prophecy is in Matthew's gospel, not Mark. But it don't take away from Mark's gospel. That's right. Amen? And see, and, the, and, and, and he was trying to connect it to the Messianic group. That's why Matthew's gospel began at the begets with Abraham, and Mark does not. <laughs> 
Jesus rides into his capital city as a conquering king and is held by the people as such in the manner of the day. The streets of Jerusalem, the royal city, are open to him, and like a king, he ascends to his palace, not a temporal or temporary place, but a spiritual place, that is the temple, because his kingdom is a spiritual kingdom. So as he went, after he went through, and they were shouting Hosanna, where did Jesus go? He went to the temple. He didn't go to a, a castle to ascend his throne. He went to the temple to claim his spiritual throne. Amen. Y'all getting it? So he rode a donkey to fulfill Old Testament prophecy. That's it right there. The new, what I'm saying is this, the New Testament is not disconnected from the Old Testament. That's right. That's right. Amen. So don't let nobody try to tell you that the Old Testament is not relevant. In fact, the New Testament stands on the Old Testament shoulders. That's why the Bible is so amazing. Because it was written over 1,500 years by many different writers, over 40, yet saying the same thing. It wasn't no accident. The Bible is Holy Spirit inspired. It's the oak of God plunged into the forest of eternity with its roots entwined around the rock of ages. This is the word of God. The number one bestseller that there ever has been and ever will be. The more they try to bury it, the more it comes alive. They can try and burn it, but it won't burn. I've heard stories or read stories, I can't remember exactly where, where everything burned up but the Bible. When the World Trade Centers came down, the beans, the only thing, one of the beans that was left was in the form of a cross. The word is true. It's true. So Jesus rode a donkey to fulfill the Old Testament prophecy. Because God don't lie. He said it was going to happen through this man, seemingly, and God confirmed his word with the word. I'm with you. He confirmed his word with the word. The living word. Jesus. He became flesh and dwelt among us. He confirmed his word with the word. The living word. It should. It should. It should. It should. But see, he rode a donkey also because he came as a king of eternal peace. It's important. It's important. Let's go to Luke chapter 2. 
Back in Mark, Luke, chapter 2. God's word is rich. You keep mining, you keep mining, the more you find, the more you find, the more you want to dig, the more you dig, the more you find. Amen. When it says it's an eternal God, he's got an eternal word. You can keep digging and you'll keep finding. You can keep looking at the same scripture over and over again, but something else different will pop out of it. Amen. How many times have we looked at the Palm Sunday message? How many times have we heard it preached? How many times in your lifetime have you read it over and over again and there's always something different that comes out of God's word? Because it's alive. Yes. It's living. It's pregnant and continually giving birth. <laughs> the word is perpetually pregnant. Amen. Continually giving birth and giving birth and giving birth and giving birth. Y'all don't make me preach the Lord. a little bit. Amen. Luke chapter 2 verse 11 says, For unto you born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. So we read this at Christmas time. But it can be read right now. And this shall be a sign unto you. You shall find the babe wrapped in what? Swallowing clothes and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God. <laughs> Don't skip over that. And suddenly with the angel that was talking and talking about what was coming, there was a heavenly host and they came and praised God. Yeah. Mm. And they were saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth. Peace. This is, this is the, that's the important word in here for today. Peace. Goodwill toward men. Amen. Now, the kingly image of Jesus portrayed in Revelation 19 would have been closer to what the Jews anticipated. When they thought Jesus, let me put it back to give us some context. They thought Jesus was coming in a military manner to do a military coup, so to speak. See, that's the thing about Jesus and God. He always comes differently than we did. That's why you got to be careful what you turn away. Right. Because you are fooling around and missing. Because you could be believing one thing, thinking it's going to come this way, but it comes a whole different way. That's why it says, he that has an ear, let him hear. Amen. Amen. Horses were majestic animals and often the choice mount of a king. They symbolized majesty and power. They were also beasts of war. Whenever a king rode out to meet his enemy in battle, he would do it. He would do so on a horse. He wasn't on a donkey. Donkeys are slow, <laughs> and they they can be stubborn. They can be slow and stubborn. Sound a lot like us. The Jews were hoping for a conquering king. One who would push back the armies of Rome and establish Israel to its own independent rule. Jesus' selection of a donkey communicated the exact opposite. Wow. You fooled everybody. They was looking for a king on a horse. Not a lamb on a donkey. <laughs> if Jesus would have came 
as a king on a horse instead of a lamb on a donkey, he would have, for, he would have forfeited the Old Testament prophecy that the lamb would be on a donkey. Amen. And he would, he would, it would, it wouldn't, he wouldn't have fulfilled that scripture. But he came on a donkey. Amen. Now, no chariot. He didn't have no chariot or litter or a purebred horse. He came on a donkey. Not just a full. He didn't come on a full grown donkey. He came on a young donkey. And he didn't have a saddle. He used their garments as a saddle. So it wasn't a comfortable ride. It was garments on top of this young donkey that Jesus rode. Isn't it interesting that it was a young donkey that a full-grown man could get on him and ride him in the first place? Yeah. Another piece of symbolism that we might miss is that a, donkey, a younger donkey would be smaller, bringing him closer to the crowd. Symbolizing this is God coming down to do it be amongst you. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for that. Because mm. if he was high on the horse, that means he would have been above them. Right. But Jesus said, no, I'm coming to dwell among you. I want you to examine me closely. So I'm going to get down here where you are. Amen. Mm. Y'all want to sing holy, holy, holy. I know y'all want to shout, but this ain't one of them shoutings yet. Amen. He did not come to wage war against Rome as the people hoped, but instead he came to bring peace proclaimed by the angels upon his birth. That's one of the reasons why Judas betrayed him because he was trying to get Jesus or poke Jesus or pride Jesus into doing something that he wasn't sent to do. <laughs> That's why he betrayed him because he wanted him to attack them like a mili in military form. Amen. Mm, mm, mm. The peace he brought, brought was not a temporary peace with men, but an eternal peace with God. Because if you would have looked at it on the surface, you'd have won him to wage war. Rome wasn't doing good by the people now. Don't get it twisted. And they would have been very, he would have been very justified in doing the military, military the military way. However, Jesus said, I'm coming to bring peace. Not amongst you all, but peace with my Father. Let's go to Romans chapter 5. I know I'm digging in the word. It's okay. <laughs> I know I'm digging in the word and y'all don't, you know, go for that. Amen. Romans chapter 5, verse 1 says, Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our what? Through our Lord Jesus Christ. Peace with God may differ from peaceful feelings such as calmness and tranquility. Peace with God means that we have been reconciled. Yes. Yes. Yes, yes, yes. What does reconcile mean? It means we are we have a reestablished, re restored relationship with Him yes. that yes, was yes, destroyed yes. by our pristine parents when they disobeyed Him. Yes. So Jesus, as the vehicle of peace, 
restored our relationship with God the Father. If you want to shout, that's some place to shout. And as I said, we were his, we were God's, let me say where you can get it. Before, what Je before Jesus did what he did, we were God's enemies. And you don't treat an enemy with clear gloves, kid gloves. <sighs> because of what Jesus did, there is no more hostility between us and God. No sin blocking our relationship with him. Peace with God is possible only because Jesus paid the price for your sins through his death on the cross, and it began with a donkey ride. <laughs> began with a slow-moving donkey. And people waving palms and throwing down garments and saying, shouting, Hosanna. Mm -hmm. As Adam child, this is what we had. We had room, sin, death, separation from God. We were disobedient. We had judgment coming. And we were bound by the law. But because of what Jesus did, making us God's child, we have been rescued. We have been declared righteous. We have been, we have eternal life. We now have a relationship with God. We can be obedient and we can be delivered. And most of all, we get grace. And that's the inexhaustible goodness of God, which is a gift that he gives to us as believers. That we can't earn, that we can't pay back. So we live in the grace dispensation now, just in case you didn't know it. Amen. Which is the last dispensation before Jesus comes back. So don't take God's grace for granted. This is what I'm talking about. Because one day Jesus will be coming back. Amen. So Jesus came as king of eternal peace. Peace with who? God. They wanted the king to destroy Rome. Jesus said, no, I'm a king that destroys sin. <laughs> Thank God he don't give us all everything we want. And gives us the things that we need. That's mm. right. Yeah. Amen. So I'm almost done, y'all. Y'all good with this? He came as a king of eternal peace with God, but make no mistake, he rode a donkey because he is king. I want to make sure you know that he, 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 Jesus is king. Not just a king. He is king. Amen. John 18, you don't have to go there, 36 and verse 37 in the Amplified says, Jesus answered, my kingdom, kingship, royal power, belongs not to this world. If my kingdom were of this world, my followers would have been fighting to keep me from being handed over to the Jews. But as it is, my kingdom is not from here, this world. It has no such origin or source. Pilate said to him, then you are a king. Jesus answered, you say it. And you speak correct, correctly, for I am king. 
And then he backed it up in the Amplified where he said, certainly I am king. This is why I was born. And for this I have come into the world to bear witness to the truth. Everyone who is of the truth, who is a friend of the truth, who belongs to the truth, hears and listens to my voice. And what is a king? A king owns everything in his kingdom. <laughs> in other words, he runs the kingdom. And being a king, he's bound to take care of his subjects. As a king. Amen. So we are in a kingdom made not of this world. We are in the kingdom that is an eternal kingdom created by God the Father and given to us by God the Son. Jesus came as a prophet, priest, and king. As prophet, he is the message bearer. As priest, he is the sin bearer. And as king, he is the scepter bearer. A scepter is a rod that is held in the hand as an emblem of regal or imperial power and authority. Matthew 28 18 says, All authority is given to me in heaven and earth. Why? Because I am king. Yes. And then Revelation 19, which I'll read now, 11 through 16, New King James says, Now I saw heaven opened. And behold, a white horse. And he who sat on him was called Faithful and True. And in his righteousness he judges and makes war. His eyes were like a flame of fire, and on his head were many crowns. He had a name written that no one knew except himself. He was clothed with a robe dipped in blood, and his name was called the Word of God. The armies of heaven clothed in fine linen, white and clean, Followed him on white horses. Yeah. Now out of his mouth goes a sharp sword. And that with it he should strike the nations. And he himself will rule them with a rod of iron. He himself treads the winepress of fierceness and wrath of almighty God. And here is the shouting part. And he has on his robe. Mm -hmm. And on his thigh a name written. Mm -hmm. King of kings. <laughs> King of kings. King of kings. King of kings. I'm going to let that settle in. King of kings. There's no king like that king. King of what? Kings. And then he follows it up with Lord of lords. I am the king of kings and I am the Lord of lords. And remember back, he said, the Lord had need of that donkey. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm going to end this way. The song says, right on, King Jesus. No man cannot hinder me. Right on, King Jesus. Right on. No man cannot hinder me. No oh, oh, man cannot hinder me. And then there's another verse I find that says this. He is the great king of glory everywhere. Everywhere. He is the great king of glory everywhere. Everywhere. No oh, oh, man cannot hinder me. No oh, oh, man cannot hinder me. Here's the shouting part. In that great getting up morning. Ah, 
there'll be well. There'll be well. No man cannot hinder me. No man cannot hinder me. Because the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords has secured our victory. Give him praise. That's why Jesus rode a donkey. Amen. Woo. Give him praise. Give him glory. He's the earth. He's the eternal. He gave us eternal peace with God. No man can hinder me. As they used to say, you can't make me bother. I know too much about it. Amen. The devil should have got me when you had me. He ain't no way you're going to get me back now. Amen. My God. <laughs> Praise God. 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 I'm doing praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Hallelujah. Stand to your feet. Let's give him praise. Hallelujah. Give him praise. Give him glory.